Hello, I'm Alex Towles and you're listening to More Than A Beautiful Game, a podcast about how you can get into the world of football without being really good at kicking one. On this episode, we'll be delving into the world of football agents and agencies in an attempt to dispel some of the myths around how they work and figure out how you can get involved too. Joining me to do so is someone who set up his own agency at 17 and is still, I think, pretty involved five years down the line. Charlie Cooling of Football Agency Adroit Sports Management. Hi, Charlie. How you doing? Good afternoon. Good morning. I don't know what time this has been broadcast. But no, yeah, thank you for the introduction. No, I, I, it's something I've stepped away from now, but it's something that I was very involved in heavily uh, for around the, 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 the beginning, a uh, couple of years of my time at university. Let's start with uh, what you did, because I, I actually don't know very much about what you did. I just know vaguely you were involved yeah. as an agent. So can you tell us a little yeah. bit more about who you worked for and what you did? Yeah, so the agency, it wasn't something I went and worked for somebody else. It was founded by myself and two friends. So we founded mm-hmm. this agency called Adroit Sports Management. The genesis of the idea of the business came about in around 2016. So mm-hmm. we were in sort of year, just about to go into year 13. So we hadn't really discussed, you know, we were discussing career plans, what we wanted to do, the three of us. You know, we all, three of us the guys who started it we all really enjoyed football but none of us were very good at it I, I was a good goalkeeper but I was blighted, blighted rather by the fact that I was about five inches too small to be any <laughs> good at a professional level Hussein was um, also challenged in, a, in in that sort of way as well and Victor the other guy he yeah he, he just wasn't wasn't you know I was a standard so we started we decided to start this agency together uh, in 2016 and we didn't really we left the idea alone for a while and then at the start of university, things started to take off. So we started to really, you know, over the summer between year 13 and university, we started to get in touch with players, mainly youth players and friends of friends who were in academies, or whatever, and mm-hmm. decided to try and bring this sort of talent on our books. And that was sort of the youth level. So we'd go for under 18 players, under 16 players, you know, those sort of players who are at the genesis of their careers. We sort of did target academies of clubs who we knew had a very good um, production rate for players who'd go eventually play in the top leagues, you know, clubs like Valencia, places like that in, in Europe, because also we had we had the advantage of having two Spanish speakers on our side. I'm sort of semi-fluent and another person who was involved, our friend Alvaro, was actually, he's from Spain, so with the advantage of being able to contact people internationally as well. So that was how it began. But then things sort of changed when we were able to get in touch with people through networking mainly, who were involved in the sort of upper echelons of the game, you know, top flight players, agents of top flight players and people who are involved in the relationships between clubs, you know, Premier League, Championship clubs, etc. And so through that, we got involved in transfers through this magical thing called a mandate, which I'll go into a bit more detail about later, but it effectively means that you can represent the player without actually signing them to your contract. So that's the sort we became very much middlemen at the start of our, you know, time working at the upper echelons of the game. And that involved making transfers happen between players who are, how, well, not household names necessarily, but names you'll, you'll, you'll recognise, uh, who I'll go into more detail about later on. And clubs like Sparta Rostam, you know, Gangju Evergrande, clubs like Celtic, people like these, you know. And so we were able to sort of get ourselves involved in those sort of transfers by becoming the joining points between club, agent and player. So rather than being a triangle, we sort of make it into like a, a square or a, pe- a pentagon, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's where we came into the play. And that's the best way. That's, that's how we basically got involved in, in, in football transfers by joining the dots and getting ourselves in there and pushing connections. So, so you were getting players in contact with agents, getting agents in contact with clubs. Is that, is that right? Am I understanding right? 
It's more it's more agents that comes up with clubs. So we'd say to people we knew, there's this guy called Safe who's like a who we knew well Hussein knew him through someone else, through like a family connection, which was very lucky. Let me say this at the start, we got very lucky with a couple of things. But I mean, you can have all the luck in the world with people you might know. We used to follow up on these things, you know? You can't just take that for granted. You've got to follow up and push those connections and make sure you can force like a relationship with those people. Because otherwise, you might have that connection there as an option, but if you don't make the most of it, then, you know, nothing's going to happen of it. So we were lucky to have that Saif connection. And um, he had players, or friends of him had players as well, who he had, he, was, he worked with other agents. Um, a lot of these players played in China. And a lot of the clubs that he was connected to were in China and the Middle East, and also in Eastern Europe as well. So these are the sort of areas of clubs that we were really looking at initially. And a lot of the time, those clubs would want players of a certain demographic, you know, players who are sort of coming towards the end of their careers, more than anything, who, you know, are still playing to a relatively high quality, but this might be their last transfer. It's not like they're going to be signing them to sell them on later. This is sort of a last career move, right? And so what we did a lot of the time was we'd get in touch with, and it's quite easy as well to network on LinkedIn for football agents as well. That's a really easy thing to do because the mentality of football agents is what I've learned now is if you can offer them anything, and this goes for clubs as well, if you can offer them anything or you can show them, you can offer them the semblance of anything even, they're happy to talk about it. And once you get them in that room and you chat about it, you can sell them a dream, not sell them a dream necessarily, but you can sell them this player, you know, and you can really try and make your voice heard and make sure that you can, you know, make a, a strong connection that not even if that that deal in particular falls through you still get that person in your contact book and so when we're speaking to these people through Saif or through other people that we knew through Saif we often received you know demographics of players they might want and then we'd go on LinkedIn or not LinkedIn necessarily but WY Scout is a very good thing as well have you heard have you heard WY Scout yeah Y Scout yeah yeah exactly is it just Y Scout now um I, I think so well it's well, as in like spelt W Y Scout. I've always pronounced it Y Scout. But I've never, I've never oh, heard yeah. it like said. You know. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. I think I, I, I think I might miss. I've been using it a couple of years now. Y Scout. Yeah, that's it. It's spelt W Y Scout. Whatever. Anyway, we go on there. Sort of have a look at players. And it had a really good database. There's a, there's a membership where you can get contact details of agents and stuff as well. And also, transfer markets released for that thing as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You can find out a lot on transfer market. And then we'd get in touch with people on there and see whether or not we thought a player that they had might be able to fit the bill for the requirements of this club. So an example would be, and this is a really funny story, actually. Uh, do you know Doris De Vries, the goalkeeper? No. Belgian goalkeeper? All right. Okay. So he's this This happened like three years ago now, in sort of January 2018, January transfer window. Somehow we'd got in touch with uh, this guy called Leo Ben Hacker. I don't know if you've heard of him. I hadn't heard of him before this happened. He now works as the technical director at Sparta Rotterdam. And Leo Ben Hacker's career, he had managed Real Madrid on two occasions. He's managed Ajax. He's managed multiple national teams. He's nearing his 80s now. Anyway, we heard from a contact that Sparta Rotterdam needed the goalkeeper. Transport was closing in a couple of days. And they also wanted rid of a goalkeeper. Through someone else that we knew, we heard that Celtic had Doris DeVries on their books, who was their second or third choice keeper. And they wanted to get rid of him to get someone younger in. And so this led to me being outside D-Bar just before about to play a college darts game on the phone to this manager who had, you know, led Real Madrid to multiple 
La Liga championships, yeah, won a few trophies at Ajax, had this very distinguished career. And that was I, about two points down outside Dibar, trying to blag that we had the Doris, well, not blag, we did have Doris de Vries, trying to tell him that Doris de Vries is the right player for Sparta Rotterdam, which is a very funny situation. And I found myself in a lot of those sort of events over the, over the coming years, but because, you know, there was another situation earlier on in that transfer window, I think, where somehow we came across the mandate for Marin Fellaini. What so, is a mandate? Let's go into that. It's a contract within a contract. So there's often contract between the agent and the player themselves, mm-hmm. you know, their exclusive representation or whatever. Um, but that's often limited because certain agents aren't able to make deals happen because of lack of contacts in certain areas. So say, for example, you had a player who wanted to go to China, but you as an agent couldn't make that deal happen. You'd get in touch with someone else who you know has contacts in China and you can make that transfer happen. And you're given this mandate which gives them the opportunity to exclusively deal in this player's transfer activities within China or within another area geographically, another league or another country rather, for a specific period of time. And with that mandate, you're able to represent the player, basically de facto be their agent. And then as a result of that, you get a cut of the fee at the end of, uh, if a deal gets made. If it doesn't get made, then you know the mandate expires and you have nothing more to say to the player or the agent unless they decide to extend it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's basically what mandate is. And they are thrown around very commonly. It's to a penny. Do, do mandates cost you money to like start? Or is it like no. uh, the uh, win-win situation? Like no, no win, no fee almost. No, it's, it's literally no win, no fee. All it is, it's a piece of paper that gives you the opportunity to exclusively represent this player who you wouldn't normally represent because but they're not in your books in countries across the world or leagues that the, that the, the agent wouldn't be able to foster a transfer between due to lack of relationships. So if you can prove to them, say, look, I've got this guy at maybe Gangju Evergrande or, I don't know, somewhere else in China that I can, you know, forge a transfer with, they'll say, right, okay, I'm going to trust you on this. Here's the mandate. Make it happen. So you've got to coordinate a lot with the agent beforehand and you've got to coordinate with the player. The player's got to agree as well. So you've got to mm-hmm. go through them and then if you get the transfer done, as I say, you'll get part of the fee. If you don't, Nothing happens apart from maybe you sour the relationship a little bit between you and the and the agent or the or the player. Okay. So, okay. So you have this mandate, this deal with Marwan Fellaini's agent that any yeah. transfer of him to China went through you. Am I understanding? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's correct. Which led to a few conversations. Obviously, it fell through. This was it before he actually ended up leaving Man U later on. Um, this is in the January window, and. The conversations took place at very awkward times for us because obviously, you know, China, the time zones are far ahead. So there were a few 5 a.m. wake ups and conference calls with, I think, Manuel Pellegrini was the manager at the time and Fellaini's representatives. And Fellaini wasn't on the call, but it was a, uh, that was as close as we got to, to getting him there, was conversations deep in the hours of the evening with, uh, with Manuel Pellegrini. But yeah, so that's that's the big example of the mandate that we use while while I was there. Apart from that, you know, they happen much more than you'd expect. Um, obviously, bigger agencies like you know George Mendez's company and Mino Ayola, they don't use them as much because those guys are connected. And those are the sort of super agents you know about. You know, everyone knows about that. But beneath them, there's another level. You know, you've got your Kia Jova Chance, who well, I wouldn't say they operate at a lower level. They're a bit more discreet than Raula and Mendes. They still have mm. their fingers and a lot of pies across football, right? You know, these guys work in the shadows, and if you can get into their contact book, then it's very helpful. We were lucky. Hussein 
managed to have a meeting with Raula when mm-hmm. we were just like 19. So Hussein's the other guy, it was me and Hussein and Victor. And um, Hussein managed to, to wrangle a meeting with Raula. And through him, we learned a lot about, you know, how to manage yourselves and your players and keep them happy. Mm. And also who to trust and who not to trust, because there's a lot of sharks and in mm. football agency, you know, everyone's mm. out there. It's, it's a completely ruthless industry. And everybody wants to make, you know, at the end of the day, money, money, money is the aim. Mm-hmm. And it's completely unregulated as well. It's a very, very shady industry, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. So so mandates are do they do probably contribute to that. I think I think you know there's a, a severe lack of regulation on those. Um and it's it's not quite the same as when you're a, a contract for you know a, a, a through fair competition or whatever. But I think that there is definitely a potential for those to be used for unscrupulous aims. But anyway, we the way that we we were able to get in touch with people and and utilize them and gain through through those winning mandates or whatever, we were able to gain a lot more contacts and mm. boost our connections, etc. And made a couple of ha- transfers happen as well, mainly into smaller smaller Eastern European clubs as opposed to the bigger yeah. ones like the Fellaini which fell through. But deals like that, they're so complex though. You know, on the face of it, you might think, okay. It's the it's the money that's paid to the club, and it's the player's wage, and it's maybe a couple of clauses in the contract. But there's so much more you have to deal with. You know, image rights is a massive thing for one, mm. and you know, clauses take a long time to go through. And there's got to be a lot of people who've got to be very happy. I didn't realise how how important medicals are for transfers until I went through this. You know, through through a couple of transfers and seeing the process behind how, how medicals actually determine whether or not players make moves and I mean, a lot of moves have fallen through because of medicals but um that was that was when we sort of got the bigger leagues but while we were doing that as well we were still dming all these like 18 17 year olds in academies across europe mm. on instagram is how i'd get in touch with them which sounds silly now but that's the most direct way because a lot of these players manage their own accounts you know they're young enough they've only got sort of two or three thousand followers they haven't been got to by social media people yet mm. and so we're no DM. I just looked this one guy up actually just now before I get into the call, who I remember very specifically getting in touch with and organizing a meeting with his parents. This guy called Jordi Escobar, who was at Valencia, he was like 16 when we got in touch with him four years ago. I think he's now like 19, 20. And it's funny, um, there's an article, if you type him up now, the first thing that comes up is an article by Goal from last year saying the Spanish Lewandowski, Jordi Escobar. And the guy, he wasn't really anything special when we, well, he wasn't, he was, he was a talented player at Valencia Academy. But, you know, you just look up these players and you think, because I mean, for every Jordi Escobar, there's going to be someone who just turned out crap and, you know, never made it. But it's funny to think that we were in touch with him a while ago. So while we were doing those mandate deals as well, we were still, you know, trying to plus us up by, by the bootstraps and really at a, a grassroots level, try and get in touch with players we were selling ourselves on being young and having the players' interests at heart, which a lot of agents don't do. Because mm. you have to sell them to, to yourselves to the parents as well. You've got to make sure that you're trustworthy because these people are you know, they're minors at the end of the day, below 18 years old. Um, and I think, you know, we, we definitely were more trustworthy than a lot of people that mm-hmm. you'd meet in, in the game, who I came across at least. But yeah, no, it's, a, it's funny how we were doing both that and also trying to join the dots of these deals on the, the highest levels of the game at the same time mm. yeah uh, and i, I want to go back to something that you mentioned a couple minutes ago now i, I just want to touch again on that idea of super agents because like uh, mm. as someone that is quite wired into the uh, 
football internetosphere, if you will. I'm fully aware of what super agents are. You're uh, George Mendes, yeah. you're Mina Raiola's. But for someone who might be listening to this and is only vaguely aware of what an agent does, can you give a description of what a super agent is? Yeah, sure. So a super agent, a normal agent, you know, you think they have a lot of portfolio of players, right? And they want to make sure the players get the right club and the clubs buy their players and they create interest and they handle, you know, media stuff as well, etc. Super agents do everything that a normal agent does, but on a much greater scale in terms of they have a massive portfolio of players. You know, they've got a wide reaching influence into clubs across the world. Um, which means they've got influence in boardrooms and transfer decisions. They can force the hand of clubs, you know, such as, you know, if you, the best example currently for anybody who wants to understand the influence of the Super Agent is look at Wolves right now. If you're a casual football fan or if you just have a past interest in the game, you would notice just looking at their lineup for a club in the Premier League to have, I think it's at least 15 Portuguese players in their books now. I think that's a bit of a strange coincidence, isn't it? No, you're not wrong. All George Mendes' clients. George Mendes' influence means that he can make the deals happen between he's on all sides of the deal. He's on the selling club side, he's on the player side, and he's on the buying club side. So a super agent is able to stick themselves in the middle of that triangle and dictate the play between all three, selling, buying, and player, and make sure that their influence, they're omnipresent in the deal. It reminds me of the, the guy who wrote, I can't remember his name now, he wrote uh, What They Don't Teach at Harvard Business School. His, his massive thing is about being on all three sides of the deal, you know, as opposed to just being two or the middleman as well as the, yeah, the, the selling and buying side. And that's effectively what super agents do. They control every aspect of the deal and they have an incredible influence on football and they are incredibly wealthy because of how much they are involved in the game. Um, it's quite scary, really. Uh, and it's, it's effectively, you know, they represent monopolies or oligopolies in the game, which are not healthy for competition at all. Um, and definitely, you know, have untoward influences on 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 clubs as well. So, as a uh, as a much smaller player in this agency game, would you yeah. uh, try to compete with the super agents, or how would you compete with the super agents, or is it more cooperative? There was one occasion where we crossed paths with someone who you could say is effectively a super agent. He had he was uh Lewandowski's agent at the time. Um I can't quite remember his name now. It come back to come with an R. Um and there was a deal that Hussein and I were trying to complete. I think it was in Eastern Europe. And it wasn't going to be a massive deal for the guy, the agent who was, you know, the super agent or whatever. But it would have been quite big for us at the time. And we were competing for, you know, placing a player into this club. Um, and the influence that they have in terms of, you know, telling the club who are buying the play, you know, if you don't do this for me, I'll make things difficult for you down the line in terms of I can ruin relationships with you later on. That bargaining power is incredibly powerful. And it's something that you're unable to compete with as a smaller fish in, in, in the game, right? Um, so, you know, you just get pushed off basically. So unless you always co cooperate or you have something they absolutely don't have, which is very rare, uh, in terms of competing with someone who would classify themselves as a super agent, it's very difficult to, to get yourself up to that level at all. Uh, what is the biggest deal, biggest successful deal that you were a part of? It depends how you define successful. Like financially, there are a few for the, for, for the, for us where we placed a couple of players into, 
like Legia Warsaw, where the, com- where the company placed players into Legia Warsaw, um, who weren't like massive transfers at the time. I've got the names here, actually. Let me find it for you, which are more recent deals, actually. Um, but in terms of the ones that feel the best, it was always when we were able to place a youth player, I think. You know, there was this kid called Godwin who was at West Brom's Academy, who was 15. And we were able to move him from West Brom's Academy just through LinkedIn, literally, uh, to, we got him a trial at both RB Leipzig and Bayern Munich, which was really, really a, a good feeling. And we got him moved to, to, I think it was Leipzig in the end, that's like four years ago now. Um, but actually another big one that we were a part of was we were helping to renegotiate Rudiger's contract to Chelsea. We've, we've formed a relationship with Rudiger since, and Saeed. We've done work with him on other things, like PR stuff, which has been quite... Because a lot of the PR stuff you do is um, goes unseen, you know, because that's, that is an agent's job as well. People don't think of that. But that's there, there's been some big deals that have happened PR side with him as a result of things which have taken place in the UAE and things like that. And also, Saeed has this company called... Um, who do like uh they make these oxygen masks which are like altitude training masks whatever and there have been some big deals that happen as a result of that as well off the back of that by joining dots and helping people connect through those so those are probably pretty big as well is there one particular transfer that like you would say was your big break almost was there any moment where like you'd gone from like purely academy players and then there was one transfer like got you into yeah. this world like larger world of moving players around yeah right um yes so for the company the biggest one when we realized that okay this is you know more or less real now is when the relationship was formed with brentford fc mm-hmm. and a lot of the players there so joel valencia moving him was quite a big one um so that was what two years ago now when we moved Joel Valencia to to Brentford was a pretty big one for about you know that was a that was a move that we were pretty heavily involved with with that Droid was pretty heavily involved with um Mm -hmm. and that was a lot that went on in that so I'd say the Joel Valencia one was probably the one where we thought okay we've actually contributed pretty heavily to a championship transfer um and now he's playing in Eastern Europe somewhere which but you know but to make him the move to a club like Brentford who were pushing for the players at the time was a really big thing. Uh, were there any other moves with Brentford that you were like were able to get involved with because of that? Yeah, because when you have a relationship with the club, the club are able to put you in touch with the way you, you, you form a relationship with the club and then also you're able to, through that, form relationships with the agents of the other players as well. And so just this past January, this wasn't something I was directly involved in necessarily, but Hussein... Um, we played a big part in moving um, Saeed Ben Rama from mm-hmm. Brentford, not January rather, from last summer rather, I should say, from um, from Brentford to West Ham, which was a transfer oh, wow. which was very difficult, very difficult actually, uh, having spoken mm-hmm. to him about it at length. Uh, there were a lot of obstacles on both sides, a lot of clauses, mm-hmm. silly clauses that need to be met. You know, I think having a lot of money go to Ben Rama's family to sort of... Uh, so maybe not sweeten the deal, but there were there were, there were things that he wanted to pay to, to have to have paid for, which was you know out of him, it was sort of quite a out of an emotional need as opposed to anything else. And West Ham were initially unwilling to meet those demands, and eventually they did decide to meet them. And the deal was structured in a very complicated way. And then obviously there was the obviously the, the dimension of him initially 
not being deemed fit through the medical, um, mm-hmm. which led to a further renegotiation because often medical, when they're failed, they're not necessarily failed as in that's it, the player's unfit to play. They're failed as in, oh, this means that he might face more problems down the line because his knees aren't quite up to standard or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was an issue like that. And any opportunity, the the the, the selling club, will, rather the buying club, like West Ham, for instance, will say, look, he's got an issue. We're going to try and knock the price down a little bit more. So, um, you know, there was a lot of going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, and that then around deal. But that's probably the biggest move the agency's been involved with. Uh, mm-hmm. since uh, since its foundation because that's you know, a multi-million pound big Premier League club signing a, 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 a striker who was you know I think top scorer in the championship last season Ben Ramos mm. yeah you, you mentioned there like, yeah, there's lots of silly little clauses in transfers so I've got a little bit more of a fun question now what's the silliest clause uh, in a transfer that you've been a part of right yeah I mean, the youth players don't really request too much because they're 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 quite young and they don't really, you know, their egos aren't fully developed yet, as opposed to some more, you know, um, well-known professionals. I mean, you get some strange things, like um, a lot of them demand transport to and from training centre occasionally when they first move, uh, which is I think quite weird, especially if you can drive. You know, they want to be picked up to and from. Um, which is always odd, and then things like a lot, a lot. There's a lot of security issues that come into play as well. They want to make sure that there's security for private family, etc. Um, which again, things you wouldn't expect necessarily. Which isn't silly. I don't think that's silly, but I think it's uh, it's something you wouldn't. It's not expected, clause for sure, because you know mm-hmm. you think that's something that the players will sort of themselves. Um, and yeah, there's been some clauses on the club's end as well regarding diet and things like that. You know, if the player doesn't adhere to you know or comes back from somewhere unfit or whatever um or it's over a certain weight there's often uh clauses that you know deduct wages or whatever i think there's a few professionals like uh you know photos of players that you you see come back from summer holidays and they definitely don't adhere to those clauses Mm. uh let's focus back in on like the start looking back like when you first began like when when you go from pretty much nothing, you're just a bunch of 18, 19 year olds fresh out of A levels wanting to get involved in this world of like football agency. What was the first mm-hmm. step you took? Right. So the first thing we did, and I think this is a very important thing for anybody, you've got to have something tangible. And what we did, we set up a company, the company's house. We didn't just have an idea. We had a we had a we had a formal company, we corporated the company um by setting it up. It's like 30 quid or something, it's not very expensive. Um so we had the company so that we did that very quickly you know we had we made sure we had an identity uh i actually came up with the name adroit sports manager we were trying to for one word things because it's always catchy you know and i remember i was on the bus going up the hill by my house thought i was looking through synonyms for like power or something like that and adroit was was the was the word i was like oh that sounds catchy and there was not that you'd be surprised the amount of agencies that exist with you know with names that you you thought would never occur to you, anyone else, but they do, they are out there. So you've got to have an identity as well. It's a really important thing. So you have an identity. Then was creating a sort of online presence. You know, we set up an Instagram page, which we don't really use anymore, but we also have a Twitter. We had a web, we have a website, um, made sure that was active. We made sure that we all had very um, professional appearing LinkedIn profiles so that if we got in touch with anybody via that medium, uh, they'd take us seriously. You know, you don't want to be seen as like an 18, like a 16 year old, whatever, 
uh, 16, 17, 18, we were 17, I think, when we did this, but, um, you know, without, you know, looking anything, you know, well, then you want them to take you seriously, effectively, is what I'm trying to say. So we had to make sure we had our, you know, online image down, nailed. So we did a lot of that sort of thing very quickly early on. And then came the harder bit, and this was making contacts. And we did a lot of re- reaching out to people on LinkedIn who we thought might be useful for us as potential, like, future um, future contacts. You know, a lot of the people we got in touch with initially were people who worked at Adidas and Nike and Puma, like boot, boot sponsored people. And the reason for this is because a lot of the time when you reach out to, like, these 16, 17-year-olds, the main stipulation that they wanted to want, like the thing that they thought that an agent could get them was a boot deal or anything. That's the thing that they really wanted, um, which is kind of funny because you think they want a club, but no, they just want like to be sent the highest range Nike boots for free every three mm-hmm. months or something. So we established a lot of contacts with people who worked in that area of the game mm-hmm. and sort of marketing professionals very early on because it it's a, it's a two-way street, you know they're getting their boots on players who might end up being very good for a very little cost. And the players, like a dream come true. You know, they think of boot deals, they think of players like Messi and Ronaldo getting sponsored for millions. So if you can, in fact, establish those relationships early on, then you're able to use those down the line. And then it was a lot of networking with other people. You know, you hear about people who are involved in different aspects of the game who might help you out a little bit. So again, I'm not going to, you know, pretend we weren't lucky to have the option to speak to these people, but we had to make those connections, you know, occur. We didn't, we didn't just get to like, the red carpet wasn't rolled out for us. We had to get in touch with them and, you know, make sure we were in the room with them and see if they could, we could offer them anything in return for, for advice, or whatever. And so one of the guys that we were able to speak with was a friend of a friend's granddad who mm-hmm. worked at this company called the outside organization, which is a massive PR firm who represent the likes of like the spice girls and the who and David Bowie. So it was more musical stuff. They also have strong relationships in terms of marketing with Premier League clubs. And so they therefore know people at top clubs. And so you meet these people and you know that you've got a reference point for contact for the future. Um, And again, with Saif, the guy I mentioned earlier, he was another friend of a friend, like a friend of a friend's uncle or something like that. But we actually came across him on LinkedIn, first of all. Mm -hmm. And so we got in touch with him on LinkedIn. And then we were like, oh, God, this is X person's uncle, you know. Uh, We can just contact him directly for that. So again, it it was lucky, but we also reached out to him beforehand. And we were having a, a dialogue through that. And mm-hmm. if you can say to them, look, we're, we're quite young, we're, we're looking to learn. Um, a lot of people, and you, you ask them about their experiences and how they work their way up. People love talking about themselves. And, you know, if you, and I'm sorry if I sound like I've been doing that too much in this interview, but, um, but people really do love talking about themselves. You know, they really do. And if you can get them in a room with you and get them to talk about themselves and hear about how they've worked their way up, you can learn a lot just from, hearing people monologue about their own experiences and whatever so we were able to get in the room with those kind of people and then with Saif it was a longer lasting business relationship because we were operating in the same sort of area in terms of football agency whereas opposed to the outside organization uh, Alan the guy was more on the marketing side which was something we were interested in but it wasn't something we wanted as the most pressing thing for us we wanted to have players in our portfolio and you know work with try and sign people up one of the days that we were working me and Hussein were working on the on the website design on godaddy.com or whatever it was. It might have been, I don't remember what website operator was. But, you know, you can do it for very cheap. You can get a website looking very professional for a very small price. And you get a solid domain name for a very cheap price as well. So, as I said before, getting an online presence is very important. Because people see a company, they see a website, they think, wow, that was pretty professional. And they'll go for it. You know, it gives you an extra layer of trust. 
mm-hmm. especially if you're trying to sign youth players for the parents. You know, that's a really big thing, having a solid online presence. And so one of the days we were we went to the Hilton Wembley to design the website because they've got a sort of like we wanted to sit in a cafe, but because we met up in Wembley, whatever. I don't know why we were there. I think we were just went to Outlaw or something. We were like, oh, let's go do the website in the Hilton because there's a cafe with Wi-Fi, whatever. So we're doing we were working on the website up there. And we sat down in the cafe of the hotel, just you know, doing the website, and then all of a sudden, and it was the day Spurs were playing Borussia Dortmund um mm-hmm. in the Champions League back in 2017. All of a sudden, um Hussein's like, hold on, be quiet. And I'm like, what? And like two tables behind us is is Christian Pulisic about to sign a new deal with his agent, his new agent, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, we're like, right, this is insane. And there's a photo, there's a really funny photo actually of Hussein. It took me sat like oh my god like oh he just you could see Pulisic stood, stood like two meters behind me and this new agent he was about to sign with and there was me going like what the hell's going on mm. in the foreground and um and so Pulisic walked off they were chatting for about like 25 30 minutes we were trying to concentrate on this website and mm. I was like we're saying was like we've, we've got to speak to his agent we've, we've got to ask for advice or whatever and I was like yeah sure but not right now because he's just there like having this deep chat with Pulisic we don't always go in and be like oh Christian we're a big fan do you want to see professional right you can't just be mm-hmm. like a, any guy off the street so I mean we didn't we don't look very old at this point we, we know we're 18 you know we're pretty fresh faced and it's hard I imagine if you're like a 55 year old agent to be accosted by these two 18 year olds being like we want to be football agents give us some advice you know we didn't say that necessarily but we did go up to the guy. You've got to make sure you have an air of professionality about you, an air of seriousness. You know, not just like, mm. not be like, not not be like, you know, oh, I'm a big fan. Can you not ask for charity or anything? You've got to be be you know proactive. And so we said to him, um, oh, excuse me, are you. Uh, and it's funny. While we were we were sat there, we looked him up. We looked mm. up Christian Pulis agent, and we, then it wasn't the guy that we found, but we heard this guy the South African accent. So we went mm. through transfer market, looked through, filtered through the different South African agents, and we heard him mention another client he had. We linked the two together, found out his name, and we said hi. Uh, I've been Christopher, I think his name was now. Oh, hi, Christopher. Um, sorry, I hope you don't mind us. Mind us. Uh, he was just walking off, and I just signed the contract or done mm. with the negotiation, done with Christian, and. Um, we were like, oh, hi, you know, we're, we're, it's really funny, you know, we just heard you chat to Christian. and we understand you're working as an agent and, you know, we're actually just starting our own agency. Uh, and we were like, oh, I mean, wouldn't do if, you know, have time for a chat or something about maybe any advice you might have. And he was like, yeah, sure. And then we had that connection and we it didn't go very, very far. You know, we just had like a very brief chat with him. But again, it's it's more, you know, contact. I and mean, that, that was very much a situation of right place, right time, but it's, more an example of if the opportunity presents itself, you've got to make sure you're prepared to take it, which I think is very important. And in that situation, we definitely did. I mean, the, the outcome wasn't necessarily like we didn't become his apprentices or anything, but we gained mm. an insight and we gained that experience of approaching people and talking to them and mm. making those relationships because you know it's all about making relationships at the end of the day. That's the mm. biggest thing, I think. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned a lot throughout this podcast, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, various social medias. So how important would you say it is just like using social media, sending that first DM to get in contact with people? Oh, massively. I think it's the best thing. I think Instagram is the biggest blessing for people of our generation who want to get in touch with, you know, youth players or whatever in terms of, you know, making a... um, 
the connection i think it's the biggest thing there there is and i think it's a really valuable resource and it's linkedin as well as a massive thing too you know it's a, it's a really funny social network is linkedin because mm-hmm. i mean you've got you know, people looking for conventional jobs like becoming an accountant or or maybe a data protection analyst or something like that on linkedin but you've also got players on that like we got in touch with uh charlie daniels do you remember him from bournemouth the left yeah. back on linkedin yeah so we got in touch with him we were like oh hi charlie um this is gonna we've got this uh we've got a, we've got a agreement from a club in, in this is a club in the uae who wants mm-hmm. a left back and we were like we've got a possible opening for a player in the uae um would you be interested and we were like they thought like there's no way this guy checks his linkedin like he's a premier league footballer why would he be on LinkedIn? Anyway, he did reply. He's like, I'd love to play in the UAE. It didn't go anywhere, unfortunately, because, you know, his agent got in the way of the deal. Um, mm. We didn't actually know how to get in touch with his agent directly at that point, so we got in touch with him. But, you know, it's funny how how resourceful that can be. Mm. And as I say beforehand, everybody's on there, you know, not just players, but agents are all on there. And they'll often, more than often, they'll connect with you and then you can just take a relationship from there. And then obviously, as I said beforehand, you've also got people like um, marketing people who are able to make brand deals happen. It's a really, really important resource. And, you know, I think people are very easily taken for granted and think, oh, you know, I'm sat here. There's no opportunities for me. No, I can't. I, I wish I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth, you know, and have those connections or whatever. But the truth is, you've really got to go out there and push those connections and force them yourself because, you know, they are out there. They're there to be made. Um, people want to talk to you. People want to make things happen. Um, you know, it's just another. It's another thing which is just a great resource for people to use. Looking ahead to the future, now you mentioned right at the start yeah. of the podcast that you've taken a break yeah. for a couple of years yeah. from doing this as you finished off your degree up here in York. Uh, so, what's next for you? Are you looking to? Are you looking to get back more involved with this once you're done with your masters? I'm thinking, yeah, it's so, I mean, all I'm saying is done with the business since I've been away because he, he, he went to Greenwich to, to do law um, because he wanted to specialise in sort of corporate contract area side of the business, um, which, I mean, having a law degree is never a bad thing to be involved in something which goes through a lot of contracts. It saves a lot of money on lawyers for due diligence as well. Um, and so what I've been thinking about when I've discussed this with him as well is it would probably be, make a lot of sense to have someone with a very strong accounting qualification in the business. So I'm thinking about getting an ACA qualification and then jump back into it because then you can help manage players, you know, financial side. You, you know, I think the, the end goal for Droid or, you know, for any agency should be, you want to be an all-in-one. You want to be the first point of contact. You don't want the player to go somewhere else. You want to be able to provide them with all the services up front, you know. And also having someone who is able to work on the, all those fronts is very attractive. So I think for me, I mean, yeah, I, I think yeah, we'll be going back to Droid at some point and working with the same again, hopefully. It's a great industry. It really is. You know, it's a very exciting industry. I mean, it's for someone who loves football, it's a great thing to go into working in because it's like it's alien. It's an alien industry because you know agents never really make the news at mm. all. Um, you know, but they are like the spin doctors of of football you know it's funny because you know agents a lot of the time also put um a lot of stories in newspapers and they're able to put stories in the pocket sky journalists and you know where you see sky source says this that's always an agent it's like 99 percent of the time that's an agent who's got in touch and you know they pay pretty handsomely for those stories as well so it's it's a lot of it's a, it's a lot of work that you don't actually see 
mm-hmm. um, going on. It's a, it's a very exciting thing. So yeah, I think for sure I'd love to, to go back into it. I'm sure I will at some point. For someone in a uh, similar position to the one that you were in uh, four years ago, maybe just coming out of A-levels, maybe just coming out of university as well, uh, that wants to get involved in uh, this agency industry, uh, what's the one bit of advice yeah. you could give to someone who's starting out as you were with basically nothing? Yeah, just speak to as many people as you can and get as much information. You try and connect with as many people as you can on LinkedIn, on Instagram, you know, make those connections. It sounds so cliche and so corporate, you know, but genuinely in this industry, it's so much, you know, it's it's insane. You know, you can't you can't do anything without those connections, without that advice, without those, the, the ability to provide people with an insight to something they wouldn't otherwise, you know, not have because you'll be able to provide them with a link to to a different club whatever and they might be able to provide you with a different player longer term in the short term you're gaining advice you're gaining experience people want to help you out occasionally you know people are more generous than you think and in this industry occasionally a lot of people want to you know um help you out more often than not so it's it's definitely just make as many connections as you can seize the opportunities that come to you absolutely full on head on you know take them when they do present themselves to you if they do and you know just have confidence that you, you can do it because a lot of the, st- the stumbling block is people think right i've got nothing tangible here how do i make something out of nothing but it's just making connections and also as i said yeah a second piece of advice it's making sure that you have a presence as well and you know having a website or a solid linkedin profile or an instagram page or a twitter page whatever it would be it's important to have those things and you know i that is definitely up there with the other advice i've given Awesome. Thanks very much. Uh, thank, thanks for joining us, Charlie. Uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. It's been awesome having you on. Uh, if you Have you got any social media or anything where if people would want, want to follow you, keep track of what you're doing, they could go and follow? Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. My Instagram's at Charlie Cooling, so I update stories on there quite often, uh, if you fancy having a look at that. And Adroit Sports Management is also our website. If you want to check the website out, and there's links on social media stuff on there. AdroitSportsManagement.com, I should say. So, yeah, check that out if you fancy it. Um, thank you very much for having me, Alex. It's been a great chatting to you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. And if for some reason you're interested in the stuff I do, you can find me on Twitter at Alex Towers. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of More Than a Beautiful Game. You can find our other episodes on the website uri.org.uk or on Spotify. Our intro and outro music is provided by Rory McLean. If you love it as much as I do, you can find more like it on Spotify as well. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you on the next one.